Well, good morning. If you want to have your picture made uh, with that sign and uh, us broadcast you all over social media or just on that slideshow, uh, see Clay and uh, he uh, would love to take your pictures with that. We want to get a broad uh, spectrum of our, our congregation uh, just telling us how much they love Beach Haven, especially as the fall gets rolling in. Before we get into God's Word this morning, uh, I am Tommy Fountain. If you're a guest here today, I'm the student college pastor. I'm not Dr. Mills. I also handle our mission stuff as well. Uh, Dr. Mills is away on vacation. This is his second week being gone. My brother Stephen was with us last week. Uh, Stephen, back at his home church at First Baptist Buford, uh, only gets to preach for 30 minutes. Uh, they run uh, two services, and so they have to keep their time tight. And if you were here last week, you know that he made up for that, right? All right, he made up for that. Normally, I preach about 45 minutes. And so what I'm going to do is, since Stephen made up for it, uh, today is a trial run. Uh, we're going to be going to two services, it looks like, in September. And so uh, we've got to make sure that we tighten things up as well. And so uh, I'm going to make sure that today I tighten things up. And uh, the goal is to be out of here in 35 minutes from now. Y'all got that? All right, can we do that? Maybe 40. Maybe. We'll see. All right, but that's the plan. Now. Before we jump into God's Word, I need to share two quick things with you about what's going on here at Beach Haven Baptist Church. Uh, one of those is that starting in August on Sunday nights, we have some great discipleship classes that we'd love for you to be a part of. Uh, I am actually teaching one of those discipleship classes, uh, and uh, that class is Reaching and Discipling Generation Z. Uh, we're going to be going through a book written by James Emery White, uh, which looks at Generation Z and, and why it is that that uh, impacts and how it is that that impacts church life, how it impacts ministry, how it impacts what we need to really be aware of when it comes uh, to reaching the next generation. I say that to say this, um, that class is not a parenting class. Now, we want parents to be there, that's fine. But if you're a leader in this church, we want you to be there, okay? We want you to be there. There are other discipleship classes that are going on and, and have their different niches. Jonathan Talbert, uh, who we've brought on as an associate to our college and young adult ministry, he'll be teaching a class for those who are about to get married or have just gotten married. And we want you to be a part of that. Uh, you guys probably don't need to know much about Generation Z because that you're either a part of them or just uh, in front of them, okay? Um, but... Uh, but uh, I really believe that if you'll be a part of that class, uh, what you'll find is some explanations of why we're doing some of the things that we're doing. And that's one of the reasons that Dr. Mills asked me to teach that class on Sunday night. So I just want to share that. The other thing I want to share very quickly is about what's going on in Guatemala. Um, in Guatemala, in November, we're going to be sending a group over uh, to put a roof on a uh, school over there in Takana, Guatemala. Uh, that community is where we're wanting to plant a church uh, in Takana, and uh, there's a school there that needs a roof uh, desperately, and uh, so we're going to be sending a team over. Uh, that project is somewhere between $5,000 and $7,500, and uh, what took place in the last two weeks is that we found out from some of our contacts in Guatemala that uh, we found some land. Uh, we found some land to purchase uh, to put a church on. Now, the catch to that is, is that that land is going to run us somewhere between sixty dollars and $75,000. we got a guy that's working on uh, the price right now for us. But again, I want to say that. That's going to cost us between sixty dollars and $75,000. Now, uh, we have already raised $4,000 toward that roof through uh, Awana, through Vacation Bible School, and through our partner church in Indiantown, Florida, where they have committed to give us $1,500 towards the roof. They're also about to start doing some soccer tournaments uh, that will help to raise money towards the purchase of the land and the building of the building. Y'all got all that? I know I'm talking fast, but remember, I only got 35 minutes, okay? All right, here's where that applies to you. Guys, listen, at the end of the service, there's going to be offering that's given. And we want you to give to your tithe, but one of the things that we want to remind you of, and there's no better chance for me to do that than right here when I get to stand behind 
beside the table. I was going to say behind the pulpit, beside the table. And that is this, all right? Don't forget that you can give to Guatemala and you can give to missions as well. You got it? Don't forget that you can give to Guatemala and you can give to missions as well. You can put it right there on your check. You can put that that, uh, that particular offering is going towards our missions, to our designated fund, or even specifically to Guatemala. Because we're going to have to be figuring out literally this week, as I'll be meeting with stewardship on Monday night. You guys on stewardship may not have known that, but I'll be there at your meeting, okay? On how in the world can we pay for some of this stuff. Y'all got it? All right, so I just want to throw that out there to you. I'm so excited about what God's doing in the life of our church and in the life of this opportunity that we have in Takanah, Guatemala. Now, with that said, we want to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to look at just three verses this morning in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3. As we turn and find Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3, if you've got a Bible, open your Bible, turn there. You can use one of the Bibles in front of you, or you can use your Bible app on your phone. That works as well, okay? Uh, by the way, if you use your Bible app on your phone, I know the difference between swiping and playing games and actually reading your Bible on your phone. All right, I see you, okay? Um, But as you turn there, uh, I just want to share with you this. Um, That title, Run Hard, Eat Cupcakes, our our college students uh, responded to a poll that I put out, and that's what they entitled this sermon uh, this morning. And uh, I think it does fit a little bit because I don't know about you, but I hate running. All right, I hate it with a passion. I, I never understood how that people that run track and run cross country can enjoy it at all. Because when I run, my ankles hurt. When I run, my knees hurt. When I run, somewhere along the way, I hit a wall, and it's just not fun anymore. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? You breathe hard. I mean, it, it's just tough. And uh, my wife, on the other hand, for some reason, she loves running. She, she likes to run. She runs before she works out. She runs after she works out. She runs when she doesn't work out. I, on the other hand, only run if I miss the gym, and thus I have to do something. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason I do that is because I like to eat. All right, you understand what I'm saying? The only reason I do that is because I like to eat. And so I've realized that if I can't get to the gym, then running at least allows me to eat a few cupcakes somewhere along the way. Now, how in the world does that apply to what we're going to see this morning? Well, I'll tell you how it applies. The truth of the matter is, is that in our relationship with Jesus Christ, sometimes it is hard. Sometimes running this race of faith that we have in our life is not the most pleasant thing in the world. But what we find from Hebrews chapter 12 and what we'll find at the end of the day when we look back to Hebrews chapter 11 is that, listen, is that there is a reward for us if we will run the way that God has called us to run this race. So with that said, let's begin reading what the writer of Hebrews has to share with us in Hebrews chapter 12 beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart let's pray this morning Lord we thank you for how that you've already blessed us this morning. Lord, we thank you for our Sunday school and our small group hour. Lord, as, as uh, Lord, people were able to pour into the lives of one another and as they were able to open your word and as they were able to pray for one another and just do life together for an hour this morning. Lord, I thank you for the worship time that we've had. I thank you for Bree and the college students and how that they led us this morning, Lord. And I, I thank you, Lord, for how you blessed us through that. I thank you for, for Madison and him stepping out, Lord, and, and sharing with the world that he has, he has truly made a decision in his life to give his life and his heart wholeheartedly to you and to follow through in baptism. And so, Lord, I ask you now that as we come to, to this time where we look at your word, and, Lord, we see exactly what you have to share with us out of it this morning. 
Lord, that if there's someone here that has never started this race, Lord, that today will be their day of salvation. And for each and every individual that's in this place today that knows you as Lord and Savior, I ask you that through the preaching of your word today that they'll be drawn closer to you and that they'll realize that regardless of what stage of life that they may be in, that you have called us to run this race and to run it with endurance and to run it even when things get hard. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you for, Lord, what's in store in this next half hour. In your name we pray. Amen. So how is it that we should run this race? It's not always fun. There's no question about it. Uh, For some reason, the writer of Hebrews must have liked running. I don't know. Some of you might like running. I don't understand that. Now, don't all y'all come to me after the service and try to explain to me why you like it, because I'm still not going to like it. You got it, okay? But for some reason, he got it. Maybe he was an athlete. Maybe whatever the case may be. Maybe it's just the culture they were in, obviously, as they they had these games and so forth they were participating in. But regardless, he uses this this, uh, account of a race to explain how it is that we ought to live out our life. And the first thing that we see when it comes to how that we are to run this race is what we see there in chapter 12, verse 1, where it says that we should lay aside every encumbrance. In other words, we should set aside the weights that weigh us down. We should set aside the weights that weigh us down. Now, unless you were a wrestler about 15 years ago, that was about the time, I think, that all the high schools started cracking down on being able to do this, okay? You understand that every once in a while, if you were wrestling, you would run in a sweatsuit, right? Or you would run even uh, better in garbage bags. You ever do that? Anybody in here ever do that? Raise your hand if you ever did that. All right, I see some hands, okay? I know who was wrestlers. But for most normal people out there, they don't run with weight added to them, right? Wrestlers are always a little crazy anyway, aren't they? Y'all know what I mean? That's a tough sport, isn't it? But listen, most of us, if we're going to go running, what do we do? We want to be as light as we possibly can be, right? I mean, there's a lot of money to be made out there in the sports world, if you can, uh, if you can produce uh, uniforms that, that track athletes and cross-country athletes can wear that reduce drag and, and are light on their bodies. Why? Because they are trying to run with speed and they're trying to run with endurance. And so they must lay aside every weight that holds them down. Well, the same thing is true in our Christian life as we live out this faith that God's called us to live out. So the question then must be asked, what is it that sometimes holds us down? What is it that sometimes weighs us back? Well, I want to submit to you this morning that there's a few different things that can do that in our life. The first thing is that obstacles can come up and weigh us down. Maybe it's that you're uh, running this race that God has set before you, and all of a sudden there's a big stone that comes up and pops you right in the shin, right? Okay, that can weigh you down. That can stop you very quickly. Maybe it's that it's that you've looked back to your past, and there's something that's taken place in your past that you just feel really guilty about, and that guilt has caused you not to run the race that God has placed before you in a manner that he's called you to do so. Maybe it's that when you look back to your past, you realize that, man, things used to be really, really good. Or maybe it's that you look back and you go, man, things used to be real comfortable. But whatever it is, there's something from your past that's holding you back from doing what it is that God's called you to do. What the writer of Hebrews tells us is whether it's guilt, whether it's obstacles, whether it's shame, whether it's frustration, whether it's just the fact that you've gotten burned out, listen, what God says to the writer of Hebrews is this, lay aside those weights let them go let them go 
But not only should we set aside the weights that hold us back, but we must also make sure that we set aside the greatest weight that holds us back, and that is that we set aside sin. That we set aside sin. Look what else he says in verse 1. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance, and then it says this, and the sin which so easily entangles us. The sin which so easily entangles us. Now, if we look to God's Word, we know that God's Word talks a lot about sin and the negative consequences of sin. Isaiah 59.2, go ahead and throw that up there if you will. Isaiah 59.2 says these words, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Then you look over at... um, at James chapter 1 verse 15. And in James chapter 1 verse 15, we're reminded that sin grows and it ultimately leads to death. And then you look at Romans chapter 8 verse 21 where we're reminded that we are a slave to sin and that ultimately that that sin has caused us bondage. But listen, in, jo- in uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 21, what it also tells us is this, is that even though sin has caused us bondage, sin has placed us in slavery and we are slaves to sin, what the Bible tells us is that when Jesus Christ came to this earth he died on the cross he rose from the grave three days later victoriously over death listen he was also victorious over sin and as a result of that you and I no longer have to be in the slavery and the bondage to sin we are free Romans 8 21 says that we have liberty over sin so why don't we quit running like we are enslaved to sin and in bondage to sin and instead run a life that shows that freedom from sin now listen I understand and I get that none of us are perfect and we are all going to mess up. We are all going to have times in our life where we stumble and where we fall. But there is a difference between running like you're always stumbling and falling and running with the expectation that you won't stumble and fall. Do you understand the difference in that? Listen, some of us, what we do in our life is we just continually stumble and fall over the same things over and over and over again. Some of us in our lives realize that there is sin that is controlling us. And it's just easier, it seems, for some of us to just allow that sin to control us rather than to fight the fight that's required for us to find ourselves free from that sin. What the writer of Hebrews says is that we should lay lay aside all of those things that weigh us down, but we should also set aside that sin that holds us back in our life. Not only should we set aside what weighs us down, not only should we set aside the sin in our life, but the third thing the writer of Hebrews shares with us this morning is that we should stay the course. We should stay the course. In verse 1, it says these words, and let us run with endurance. Let us run with endurance endurance. Now listen, I I told you I don't like to run. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do. Uh, But back when I played college baseball, they made us run. Matter of fact, I'll tell you, the longest I've ever run in my life is is the equivalent of about a 5K. That's the longest I've ever run. Now, I've done that, I think, twice in my married life because I ran with Mallory when she did it. And matter of fact, I think both times were on, no, one time was on vacation. Uh, The last time we went to Florida, not this time. This time she decided she was going to go do that. And you know what I did? I made it about two and a half miles and I quit. All right? Uh, And she she ran the rest of the way. Uh, Look, when we run, I'll tell you why I don't run any more than that. One, I told you I don't like it. But two, there's something about when you hit a certain distance, it's like you hit a wall. Any of you guys ever run and understand what I'm talking about? Now, I've been told if you can ever get through that wall, you get like a second wind. I've never gotten that second wind. I stopped too soon, I think. All right? But but, uh, back in college... 
uh, twice a week during the fall and during the spring. Uh, my freshman year, pitchers and catchers would run together. My sophomore year during the fall, they actually decided to make everybody else run with us. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we would run three miles. Uh, our campus is like one and a half miles around our campus, and we'd run that loop twice. We'd run three miles. So it wasn't quite a 5K, I guess, but it was close enough to it that it makes me feel better to say that. And so we would do that. But I got to tell you, when I quit playing baseball my, my, or during my sophomore year in college, I never did that again. Again, until just recently when I started trying to get in better shape again. I said, why? Because running is terrible. And for me, I, what happens is, is I'd always hit a wall and I'd be like, man, when we run those, those three miles around that loop, man, that last little portion of that last loop that I'd make it to, man, it was just like, can I see the finish line? Can I see the finish line? Can I get to the finish line? Because I just wanted to stop. Have you ever been that way in your life? Where you're running the race that God has set before you. Maybe it's teaching a Sunday school class. Maybe it's serving in a ministry in a church. Maybe it's sharing with a friend that lives next door to you. And you feel like you've just been sharing and you've just been sharing. Or you've just been serving and you've just been serving. Or you've just been giving and you've just been giving. And it feels like you just want to see the finish line. You just want it to stop. You just need a break. Right? The writer of Hebrews understood that and he said, listen, there are going to come times where this life that we live in is tough. But he says, run with endurance. Stay the course. Stay the course. Just keep moving. Put one foot in front of the other. Because God has something in store for you that you and I can only imagine. Now listen, God's word also shares with us about what endurance does for us. Matter of fact, if you turn over to James chapter 1, you could just flip in your Bible like a page probably and get there. But in James chapter 1, verse 2 through verse 4, it says these words. It says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, knowing when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in Nothing. See, here's what running with endurance does for us. What running with endurance does for us is it sanctifies us. See, when times get tough in our life, when trials and temptations and, and struggles and difficulties and discouragement come in our faith, listen, what happens is, is that God uses those and, and endurance works itself out in its perfect way, which is awesome because the writer of Hebrews later says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. It completes us. It perfects us, not that we won't ever sin, but instead that process of sanctification is perfecting us and completing us and making us more and more like Jesus each and every day. So the next time you face one of those trials, the next time you face one of those temptations, the next time you face discouragement, the next time you face a struggle, take a step back and realize for just a second that what God may be doing in your life is calling you to respond in a certain way that sanctifies you and completes you and makes you more and more like him each each and every moment and day of your life. So therefore, we should stay the course and run with endurance. Not only does the writer Hebrews share with us that we should set aside what weighs us down, that we should set aside sin, that we should stay the course, but fourthly this morning, we must see what's in front. We must see what's in front. Look at what he says. He says, we should run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. Now, y'all know any time that I get to preach, I like to pick on Mallory, okay? I've already done that a little bit about her running, but that's a good thing, all right? Um, but I got to do it again. Did you hear me working on this last night downstairs? Brady did. Okay, good. She has no idea this is coming, all right? 
Back in, just hold tight, it'll get to you in a minute, by the way. Story will take a second. Back in kindergarten, first grade, I was actually fast. I don't really think I was fast. I think as the other kids just hadn't learned how to run yet. You know what I'm talking about, right? I think I just like developed a little sooner in the running category. Because then by fourth grade, they had all caught up with me and I was slow. All right. Um, I went and played college baseball as a catcher. I went to an NAI school. You know why I had to go to NAI school? Because in NAI, uh, they can still have courtesy runners. You got it? You know what that means? It means when the catcher gets on base, they send somebody out there to run for them. All right. Yeah, that was me. Okay, not that did the running, that went and sat down in the dugout after I got on base. Matter of fact, my senior year in high school, um, I scored one run my senior year in high school, and it was a home run that I hit. All right, that was it. Uh, we were playing our big crosstown rivals. I hit a triple down, in, down the right field line, and uh, I, I, I get to third. I actually hit a triple. That was amazing. I think it was the only time in my entire baseball career. I step on third, and Coach Sparks says, time, and calls my little brother, Stephen, out of the dugout to come run for me. <laughs> It's like, Coach Sparks, there's no outs and I'm on third. I can't mess this up. Like, I will probably score. It's okay. Nope. But anyways, back in kindergarten and first grade, I could run a little bit, all right, comparatively to the other kindergarten and first graders. And uh, back then, you had field day, and field day was actually competitive. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, now field day is blowing bubbles and hula hoops and all that kind of stuff, I think, all right? But back then, you had field day, and you had winners and losers. And you only got the little ribbon if you won something, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Amen. Okay? Well, we had one kid in our class who was faster than me. He was faster than me in kindergarten. He was faster than me in first grade. And I'll never forget that my dad... Right before I was running, I'd won like my heat or whatever, and we were running a little championship race, which is funny now thinking about five and six and seven-year-olds running in a championship race. But anyways, we're out there getting ready to run, and, uh, and my dad looked at me and said, now, Tommy, here's the deal. He said, here's how this has got to go. He said, if you get out in the lead, he said, do not look back. Don't look back. Keep your eyes forward. Just don't look back. He said, because if you look back, you're going to slow down. And if you look back, what's going to happen is somebody's going to catch you. Now, i got to be honest with you. I never got in the lead. You got it? All right? Because that guy named Michael Riggs, okay, see, now it's getting to you, isn't it? All right? Listen to me. That, that guy ended up dating Mallory later, okay? All right? He beat me. He got off, man, that line, and he took off, and he beat me, and I wasn't catching him, and he never looked back either. But you know what? You ready for this? You good? It's going to get me some, hey, we're having a date night tonight, so this could be good. All right, listen. Somebody laughed. I won now because I got Mallory. He's married some other lady. Does that work? But my dad said, don't look back. Why wouldn't we look back? Because it slows us down. Because it's a distraction, isn't it? You, you ever been living out your faith? You ever been, been, seems like doing really good. It seems like you're, you're where you need to be in your personal walk with Christ. Man, you're doing your quiet times. You're doing all these things you're supposed to be doing. You ever been there and then all of a sudden some sin grabs a hold of you and it begins to distract you? You ever been there and somebody, you know, um, say, say a, a cross word to you and it discourages you? Right? Listen, in those moments what we need to do is make sure that we are keeping our eyes in front that we must set aside those things that hold us down and sometimes what holds us down is our own selves because instead of seeing what has been set before us what happens is is we turn to the left we turn to the right and we become discouraged we become distracted 
and we lose focus for what it is that God's called us to do. Now let me tell you why we must really keep our eyes forward. And that is, is because when we keep our eyes forward, what we're doing is we are keeping our eyes on the one who has set the path before us. We are keeping our eyes on the one who has set the path before us. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Proverbs 16, 9 says, The mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. I want you to listen to me, and I want you to listen to me very clearly this morning. Listen, when you are doing what God has called you to do, when you are following his will in your life, the reason that you can continue to look forward and not be distracted by the things of the past or distracted by those things that have come to the side of you is because, listen, the race that you are running, every step that you are taking, listen, it has been directed by an almighty God. And you can trust him. And you can trust him. Which brings us to the fifth thing this morning. If we're going to run the race that's set before us, we must set aside what weighs us down. We must set aside sin. We must stay the course. We must see what's in front. Run the race set before us. And then fifth, we must set our eyes on Jesus. We must set our eyes on Jesus. Verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of the faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You want to know how that you set aside those sins? You want to know how that you set aside the weights that struggle that you struggle with that weigh you down? You want to know how you keep your eyes on that which is in front and not that which is beside or behind? You want to know how you run with endurance and you stay the course? You set your eyes on the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Why can we set our eyes on Jesus? We can set our eyes on Jesus, one, because it removes distractions. One, because it removes distractions. If we're all focused on the same thing, then all those distractions that come, they pass by without us really even recognizing them or noticing them. Right? What some of us do is we run our, our, our race, uh, we live out our faith, and we're like that, we're like that, uh, that, uh, that meme or like those cartoons that, you know, the guy's running along, and then all of a sudden he goes, squirrel! Right? Right? That's how some of us live our Christian life. Right? Hey, I'm going to read my Bible every day. Squirrel! Hey, I'm going to share the gospel with my friends. Squirrel! Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Squirrel! Hey, I'm going to serve. Squirrel! Right? That's what we do. But if we are focused on Jesus, we miss the squirrels. We miss them. He fixes the distractions. But on the other hand, the reason that we can look to him and set our eyes on him is because he is the greatest example that has ever been set of someone that ran with endurance. He's the greatest example. I mean, look at what the word says there. It says that the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, notice, it says there he had a race set before him, and he says it was joy. And check this out. It says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame... For the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And then here's where it gets good. And now has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But then he says this again in verse 3. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. Why? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Listen. You want to run the race that God has set before you. If you know Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you've got to make sure that continually your eyes are set upon him. 
I also want to share with you this morning that, listen, if your eyes have never been set upon Jesus to begin with, you can't run a race that wins. You hear me? If you don't set your eyes upon Jesus to begin with, in other words, if you've never come to the point in your life where you've prayed and given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ and turned from your sin and and put your faith and trust in him, then listen, you're running a race, but you're running a race that is broad and leads to destruction. You hear me? And what Jesus is calling you then to do this morning is to turn from that race and to run his race with your eyes upon him because that race that's for him, it may be narrow, but listen, it leads to everlasting life. And in just a moment, we're going to sing. And when we sing, listen, you may be in this place today and you may say, man, Tommy, you just don't understand how tough my life is. Tommy, you just don't understand why would I trust Jesus with all that stuff. Or Tommy, you just don't understand the stuff that's went went down in my past. Well, listen, what I'm here to tell you is this, is that Jesus endured more than you and I will ever have to endure. He paid the price for you and he paid the price for me. And he was victorious so that you and I could be victorious as well. So if you're in this place today and you say, Tommy, I don't understand. Listen, I may not understand, but Jesus does. And in a moment, you'll have an opportunity to give your heart and life to him. But for those of you that are believers in this place today, listen to me and listen to me clearly. Jesus doesn't just only say, hey, look to him. But what Jesus does, and what the writer of Hebrews does, is I love this, is that in the midst of telling us how to run this race, he sets it up beforehand and says, oh, by the way, listen, I've given you example after example beforehand of how this race can be ran and can be ran well. So as we close this morning, what I want to do is actually turn right back to the beginning of chapter 12, and I want to see this word there that says, therefore, Because it says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, I've heard of many people preach and teach this passage of Scripture incorrectly, and they've interpreted it incorrectly because they've used the beginning of chapter 12, verse 1, to try to uh, say, this is why you ought to live your life this way, because there's a bunch of people watching you. That has nothing to do with chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3. You hear me? Now, we should, because we do have a testimony and all those kind of things. But chapter 12, verse 1 through verse 3 is written on the back end of chapter 11. And we always, when we see the word therefore, we got to know what it's there for, right? I've learned that since I was like two years old. And so you can't read what's after therefore without knowing what's before therefore. And guess what? In chapter 11, we have a hall of fame of faith. Because in chapter 11, what we have is hero after hero after hero after hero of the faith. And in chapter 11, we don't have time to go through all those. I encourage you to go read that later. But what we see in chapter 11 are three quick principles that stick out that make this very applicable to us no matter where we are in our life. The first thing we see, go ahead and get that up there if you're real, real quick. Thank you very much. Is that these heroes of the faith had faith at the beginning of their race. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 8, look what it says. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he was called and he went out not knowing where he was going. If you don't talk about having faith. Faith at the beginning of your race, man, that joker didn't know where he was going and he had faith. He was called and he responded. Listen, some of you in here today, listen, you just became a believer in Jesus Christ. But that does not negate the responsibility that you have to run a race of faith and endurance. You hear me? Not only do we see that there were those that, that, that ran that race of faith at the beginning of the race, but we also see in verse 7 that there was Noah and Sarah that had faith during their race. That had faith during their race. In, in, in verse 7 it says, By faith Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Go ahead and go to the next verse. Oh, you didn't get the rest of the verse up there. Anyways, it also talks about Sarah and how that 
Sarah, guess what? In the midst of her life, had to trust God with a what? A child, right? Right? They'd already been running the faith. Now, some may say that was at the end of her race, but by today's standards, maybe so, but not then, right? Okay? And so we find there that there are those that ran that race at the beginning, and there are those that were in the midst of their race where they showed faith. But then also what we find in chapter 11 and verse 22 and 23 is there are 20 through 23, is that there were those who showed faith at the end of their race. Because in those verses what we find is that it talks about Isaac, it talks about Jacob, and it talks about Joseph even at the point of their death. Do you hear me? Even at the point of their death. Now why must we turn back to chapter 11? Because listen, sometimes the response that you will get from people in our world today is one of about three things, or two things. Well, I'm just a new believer. I don't understand and know everything yet, so I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do. Or I'm still maturing in my faith. And they'll use that as an excuse for the sins they're struggling with or the difficulties they're having in their life. But on the other end, sometimes what we get is I've already ran my race. It's somebody else's turn to run theirs. And what Hebrews chapter 11 clearly lays out for us is this. Regardless of your age and regardless of your stage in life, listen, we are all called to run a race of endurance and faith. Do you hear me? We're all called to run a race of endurance and faith. So how do we close this thing today? Well, listen to me and listen to me. Whether you just became a believer or whether you've been a believer for 50 years, God is still setting before you a race to run. Do you hear me? And our eyes must remain on him. And we must have a faith that produces endurance. Because whether we just became a believer or whether we've been a believer for 50 years, listen to me, listen to me clearly. He is still in the business and the process of sanctifying us and perfecting us and making us more like him each and every day. So as I said earlier, listen, if you're here and you've never started running this race, man, this invitation is for you because you need to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. But listen, if you're sitting here and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior, it doesn't matter if you got saved yesterday, this morning, or you got saved 75 years ago. Listen to me. God is still setting a race before you. And it may be that you're tired. It may be that you're confused. It may be that you're discouraged. It may be that there's sin that's holding you back. But listen to me. What God has called us to do is to lay aside all of that and to continue to run with endurance. And do you know why? Because even at the end of chapter 11, the writer of Hebrews is already pointing to us and he's already pointing to the promise of Jesus and what is to come when he tells us that, listen, that God, in 11, chapter 11, verse 40, he tells us that God has provided something better. We have a hope that nobody else can have in eternal life, don't we? But not only that, but we have a hope and a peace that nobody else can have because as we run this race, no matter how many times we may stumble, the Lord Jesus Christ will never leave us. He will never forsake us. So I'm going to pray, and when I pray in just a moment, the, the band's going to come, and they're going to begin to lead us in singing. And listen, for some of you in this place, you're going to need to come, and you're going to need to find one of us here at the front, and you're going to need to say, hey, I want to run this race. I want to know Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want him to be with me for the rest of my life. For others of you in here that know Christ as Lord and Savior, maybe there's something in your life that's holding you back. Maybe there's something in your life that's keeping you from running the race. Maybe there is a weight that is holding you down. Or maybe it's that you've just gotten discouraged, and you just need endurance. Maybe it's that you've just 
just said, man, I feel like I've ran my race and it's somebody else's time. Or maybe you've just used your immaturity as a Christian as an excuse to not do what you ought to be doing. Listen, whatever that case may be, this altar is for you. This altar is for you because maybe what you need to do is hit your knees before an almighty God and say, hey, listen, Lord, hey, I want to run this race the way that you've called me to run this race. And then listen, there may be one of you in this place today. I know Dr. Mills isn't here. I know Chris isn't here. I know this isn't what a normal Sunday morning looks like. But listen, for some of you today, listen, you need to make this your church home. You you need to to come alongside what we're trying to do at Beach Haven Baptist Church in reaching not only this community, but, but across the country and across the globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe you just need to come and say, hey, I want to officially be a part of this. Hey, I want to get plugged in. Hey, I, I, want, to, I want to come alongside you guys and, and help to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and help disciple people to be used by them and use the gifts that God's given them. Whatever the case may be, today you respond as God is calling you to respond. I'm going to ask that you stand very quietly, very reverently. As you stand, I'm going to ask that you uh, bow your heads, close your eyes. I don't want anybody moving. The most important time of the service is what's about to happen in these next few moments. I want nobody moving. If you've got to use the bathroom or something like that, just stay, t- stay still. You can hold it for another five minutes. You got it? All right? The, the band's going to come forward. They're going to begin to pray or play as I pray. After I pray, this invitation is not going to take forever. What I want you to do is I want you to respond immediately as God is calling to you to respond. We're not going to sing 30,000 verses or choruses. Listen, no. We're going to sing and we're going to allow God to do work in your heart. Because if he's spoken to you as, as I proclaim God's word today, then listen, you don't need to hesitate. You don't need to let anything hold you back from right where you're standing. But instead, you need to come hit this altar before an almighty God. Maybe you need to come and make this your church home. Maybe you need to come and give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You come after I pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word today. Lord, I thank you, Lord.